You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. This is Chad. I'm Chris. I'm Daniel. I'm April. And I'm Tyler. And we're back to... Oh, shoot. Uh, oh, you screwed it up. up. Shoot. Really? We, we, really? we cannot we get through this. We added a fifth from when we recorded earlier. I, my timing was off. Sorry about that. <laughs> so just give us an I'm Tyler. I'm Tyler. And we're back to oh, talk. I thought you were just going to leave, leave that. Oh, I think my God. It was worth it. it. Our people. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> you, you were gifted our ineptitude. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. We're, we right, keep it well, raw and real here on the Screeners Podcast. That's true. Believe it or not, we are actually back to talk all things media. There's a gaggle of us here tonight. Uh, but before we jump into our super-packed episode, I want to remind everyone to please follow us on all the socials. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ScreenersCast. You can find us on Twitter, at ScreenersCast. And you can send us an email to ScreenersCast at gmail. We've got lots to talk about, so without further ado, let's get right to our first jump cut. Well, we reviewed <laughs> Trolls World Tour on the show a few weeks ago, which was the first high-profile film to make the transition from canceled theatrical mm. release uh, because of COVID-19 to VOD release. And, uh, and it was apparently hugely successful, but it also sparked some drama. So we are going to – I'm, I'm going to catch everyone up, and then we're going to discuss it because definitely some big conversations going on in the film world this week. So – to recap on, on the drama here real quick, um, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, Trolls World Tour earned more profit in three weeks on VOD uh, for Universal than the first Trolls movie did in its entire theatrical release, which Ooh. I find wow. very hard to believe, but that's apparently what, what they say. This prompted uh, the Universal CEO, Jeff Shell. he said, and this is a quote, as soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. Oof. After this statement, AMC Theaters announced that Universal, you know, with with that apparent intention to break the 90-day release window, 90 days between theaters and any sort of home video release, uh, they would no longer accept and show Universal films in their theaters as long as they intended to do that. And uh, shortly after, Regal and Cinemark also joined them. So that's those are the three biggest by a mile, three biggest uh, theater companies in America. That's kind of where we're at. So as it stands now, they, they've not announced any agreement. So so Universal Films, like this year, they have they have Candyman, they have Halloween Kills, and and next year they have F Nine, the new Fast and Furious movie. No, uh, as of now, as it stands, none of those will play in theaters until something changes. Come so on. Come some on. people are saying it's a really bad sign for theater owners. Uh, some some are saying it's the beginning of the end. For theaters, and some are also saying it's no big deal. So, where do you all stand? I'm opening up for discussion here. What do you guys think about this whole situation? They're going to cave. Yeah, who, the who, theater chain is going to lose that owners? battle. No, that the theater chain's going to lose. They're going to lose. Okay, interesting. Why do you think that? Because I feel like they have more to lose. Because if they're going to, if people want to see the Universal film, they'll just go to other theaters to see them. And it, like the, Universal, well, yeah, I don't think it's going to lose much out of that. And if uh, they're going to profit as much 
Oh, sorry, what? For me personally, if I was that desperate to see a Universal film, I would have to travel to another city. I only have AMC's, Regals, and Cinemarks in my hang city. Hang on, hang on just I a second. Have, I have only independents in my town. So I, I Do you have the internet? Get... I'm just curious. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to ask, yeah, yeah. Chad. <laughs> I think you do. No, no, I know. I was just clarifying. I was just clarifying. I'm saying... I think, I think most of us have a fairly large television and more than likely at least like a... A, a sound bar that gives somewhat of a surround sound experience, if not a very nice surround sound experience. Mm-hmm. And theater owners will be dumb if they do not, number one, improve their theater going experience, and number two, cave to this. Because Universal is going to do this no matter what. Because what, what, what happens, this is going to come down to money, right? Yep. All, all that matters is dollars. And so what, what, what Universal saw happen here is that people are more, in some cases, are more than willing to pay for an at-home, uh, pay a premium for an at-home experience on a first-run film that has not been released anywhere else before. They're not owning it; you just rent it for twenty bucks. People are willing to do that, and when it's just one to one, and the 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 middleman is just Apple or Amazon or whoever they're buying it from, they're making a lot more money per showing. Even at twenty dollars for a family, they're making more money per showing than they were in the theaters. That's yeah, a problem yeah. for, for just theaters. For, for clarity, just to, to put per percentages on what you're talking about, so theaters uh, take roughly fifty percent uh, of profits. And they receive approximately eighty percent of profits from VOD shows. So that's that's kind of how trolls. And that's how that was yeah. more profitable. Yeah, that's how was more profitable. So just for yeah. just clarifying there. But keeping it generic, I'll just put it this way: I saw the, some of the numbers related to how many they sold in, up to this point when this article came out, which I think was what about a week ago, yeah, week and a half like, ago, something like that. Yeah. And they were approaching six million. $20 right at 20 bucks a piece and that was a week ago so you know that it's a lot more and there were several markets where they had not opened up the VOD yet so at 80% they're killing it now I will also say they admitted that they relentlessly marketed this yes. and so from a money standpoint they do have to figure out how much to spend where it will still be profitable right. because they they had a perfect storm of opportunity right with yes. people being at home people having nothing else to see mm-hmm. wanting to see it now there's also two sides to that coin which is why this situation is so complicated is that it's also a kids movie so there's millions right. of people that had zero interest in trolls right. too so yes we can all say oh it's a kids movie there's all the kids and the families wanted to watch it yeah well what about all the people that couldn't care less about a trolls movie right. yeah. so the real test case would be something that crosses all spectrums and we may have an opportunity to see that because i'm in agreement with april the theaters will cave of course because prior yeah. to this we were already having i mean ad nauseum people we've got so many articles and had so many discussions is this the end of the theater the experience needs to be improved we've been saying that for decades and i'm on record as someone who religiously views the, the theatrical experience as something that just cannot be touched yeah. um, and is the superior way to view any... I'm, I'm, I'm 100% in that camp. But even someone who is the rose-colored glasses about that situation as I am can recognize that the theater has a lot of work to do and they need to come out of this scenario not trying to do pitchforks at Universal but come to a come to the realization that that 90 days may need to become 60 or 45 and that they are going to have to do some other things to make people say it's worth more to me to go to the theater than stay at home yeah and so it's it's going to be interesting so so I I here's where I'm at uh first and foremost I I, I think 
like you guys have already said, I, I don't think Trolls World Tour by itself is a proper test case for this for, for so many reasons. First of all, up until one month before its release, it was marketed and promoted the same way that a theatrical release is marketed and promoted, meaning more typically in the traditional model, which could change, than VOD releases. That's, that's one thing. Second of all, it's a sequel to a massively popular Oscar-nominated family film with a huge hit song. I mean, it, Trolls is huge. And so it's not just some unknown quantity. Uh, it's, it, it, has a, it has a built-in audience. And then third, obviously, people are stuck at home, right? I mean, this is the first, potentially, the first like new entertainment to come out for families and so, uh, during that time. And so it, it, it really was a perfect storm for that film. So now that doesn't mean it... Uh, you know that that VOD that that was a one-off, right? Like absolutely, VOD could can absolutely be a hit for for these studios. It's just I don't think I don't think we have all the data yet, right? To 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 compare yeah. for all sorts of different types of films. But at the end of it, here's where I'm at. I am way on the side of this is no big deal. Um, right. I I am absolutely a big advocate, just like Chad said, for the theatrical experience. I, I really want to protect that. I think it's valuable. And, and at the same time, I, I don't think those of us who want to protect that theatrical experience, including theater owners, uh, we can't have our heads in the sand and pretend that movie movie watching habits aren't changing. I, I think that while movie theaters are in a better position, and I think a lot of people are, are portraying them as, I mean... Let's just look at F- Fast and Furious 9. I mean, that's that cannot be released on v- VOD alone. That's not going to happen. There's no scenario in which Universal only releases the next Fast and Furious movie on VOD. Won't happen. I don't know. That's not true. That's no way. No way is that not I would I, bet, I would bet every dollar that I have that right, it shows okay, in theaters. But that's of two course. different things. Uh, yeah. This he said VOD, VOD alone. Yeah, it's not going to go on VOD speci- alone. Yeah. But hold on. So this specific movie, yes, I'll agree with you. But the idea that theater owners wouldn't look down the road and say a tent pole like that couldn't be released on exactly. VOD only is not true because the difference is 30 percent exactly and the that money is the massive money. money so where they <laughs> yeah. have to make a billion dollars to make 500 million in the theaters they don't have to do that at vod so that yeah. is absolutely yeah. on the table yeah. so so uh, let me get back to what i'm saying because let me let me let me finish at which i agree like i, I this is the, this is why i'm saying i don't think this is a big deal at all there is of course they're going to come to an agreement like that's there's no question in my mind and i think they should i think there's absolutely no harm for universal or for theater owners for them to shrink the 90-day window i think it benefits both of them shrink it to like like chad said 60 days 45 days one month something like that i think it's beneficial for for all involved those who do not or or can't afford to go to the theatrical experience can still rent it at home without without being so far behind the ball with with the you know culture and in big movies so i i just think i i think uh, this is they're going to come to an agreement shortly and this is going to all blow over and it's going to be no big deal and universal will absolutely still have their films in theaters while still prioritizing the future of vod all that has to happen is disney to say right? screw you amc we're doing whatever we want won't happen like it will are you kidding me? If Disney said, I, we, we are going to do both, 
You think that AMC would say, "Well, uh, we're taking our ball and going home." No, the, so they would. The reality is, no, they will say, "Okay, okay, vote. Disney, okay, the, sure." You're right, but the, the reality is, as long as as long as AMC, Regal, and Cinemark are band together, you essentially can't do both. Netflix has proven this. Like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. Disney, if 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 Universal and Disney together said we're going to do whatever we would like we're going we would like for you to release them day and date but if you choose not to then that's going to be your problem you're going to lose out on all that profit of playing fast whatever it is and the next disney movie and the next pixar film and all that i mean marvel i mean could you imagine what would happen if if that amc would would their 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 valuation would tank and disney would just simply buy them do you know what i mean like there there's nothing there's no reality in which amc has more power in the marketplace than the actual creators of the content in that particular scenario and if the yeah. if the if if the theater owners Disney can not, connect not legally allowed to buy movie theater chains right well, I'm, right. well what i'm when we say not legally allowed to buy a disney or like a, a that is that is what because of like the um ftc antitrust. Yeah. so so again tanking amc's price somebody would come along and play ball with disney sure. is all i'm saying it's own possible. it own it mafia style yeah <laughs> that's true but there's also a certain tipping point where the public would there to be a tremendous backlash exactly so if i, I mean, can't there's, see my there's if, two sides. If, if we yeah. can't see our marvel movies in theaters like people aren't going to side with disney in that debate they're going to sure side they with would. The theaters because i want i want to see my movies in theaters and and so the thing is netflix has proven now netflix let me mm-hmm. let me say clearly, no Netflix way. is obviously not as big and powerful in the theatrical mm-hmm. space as Disney, of course. But right. but as long as AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, those three, yes, they're independent theaters, but that, we're talking about almost all theaters in America when we talk about those three those three uh, yeah. those three companies there. As long as the three of them are banded together, uh, you, uh, Disney and Universal can't just say we're going to do both. Because both means we're going to release it in like 20 theaters across America. Yeah. Great. I mean, then it's just a VOD release only. It's not day and day. It's, it's essentially not day and date. And so that's fine if they want to do that. But I don't, I think at that point, people would be so upset that they can't see their Marvel. And you think they theaters. would sign, you think people would be upset with Disney for that? That, I do, that, absolutely. I do. Yeah, I definitely no do way. People would be like, AMC, why are you not just allowing us to have choice? People want choice. They want the choice to be able to watch it at home or to go to the theater. That's a watch choice. Watch it at home thing. for more expensive than a movie ticket. Which, which no, is more expensive it's not. For, it, for single people, yes, it is. Now, obviously, for families, it's not, and that's great. And so, so, so in, in, in reality, you think it costs l- less than $20 to see a movie in any theater in America? Mine. Yeah. So, so, so you you're saying about? to, yeah. to drive? It costs me ten bucks to see a movie. If, for during one the person, week. It, it call, it, but I'm not saying for families. Not for families. Clearly, I'm, I'm saying for for individuals. Of, absolutely. What theater in America is choos- charging more than twenty dollars? Unless you're seeing it in like I'm, the I'm super saying in total. Movie. If you're going to the theater, more than chances are you're also paying for other upcharges, right? You're, you're, I'm not saying just oh, the sure. ticket price. I'm talking about there are other there are other things that the theater hardly makes any money. Not hardly makes any money, but the the vast majority of the money that they make is on concessions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. What are so we that, talking about? The, I don't. What are we, how, how how does that apply to this conversation? 
I'm saying that the theaters need to figure out a way to make things much be- like much better for us to go buy concessions. They really don't care about the movie. So I don't understand why if if you're if your if your plan if if what you want is for people to have the ability to go see this movie in the theater, right? And they everybody wants to see the movie in the theater or and have the choice at home to see it. I don't understand why they're up angry and upset. Like if they think that they have a good enough environment to see a film, they should just show the film, even if it's playing at home. And and I should be able to say, well, yeah, no, I would Chris, rather pay my twenty dollars over this, there. It undercuts this is all their anecdotal. Value. It yeah. does, and and it, it's also anecdotal too. But there yeah. are lots of people that are not in the place that we are that have a ninety-five inch TV yes. and a massive surround sound at home. Sure, we, we're fortunate enough, but I, I don't disagree. I, there are not a ton of people that are in that situation. So the idea of saying, "Oh, well, they'll just watch it at home," is not necessarily tenable either. So they have to find a place to make will. both ha- to make both happen. And yeah, they will. Here's the thing. Yeah, that, that's what, as as much as we can argue about it. Like the thing is, this is is this is a non thing like by the time theaters open we'll be a few weeks away from an agreement and and it's just gonna, it's going to be nothing because i do believe that mm. uh yes it does come down to dollars i i think that universal and disney they want their movies in theaters uh, i i think that that's absolutely for true. sure and so and so i think they're they're gonna sit down and they're gonna Although come to they- the table they won this round for sure. They're going to get that window sure. reduced. There's no chance yeah, for they don't. Absolutely, they are, and they should. I, I like I said, I, even as somebody who really values the theatrical experience, things are changing, and so we shouldn't just ignore yeah. that things are changing. And so this is a this is a step in that direction. So, and, so, and then in ten years or or less, you know, in a few years, we're going to have another conversation about shortening again, and, and things are going to change. But what I'm saying is, I don't think we're to the point where for. The, um, all movies, it, we should have a day and date release because it does devalue theaters. So l- let me ask you. So, this, okay, so that is your position because this is what I want to clarify. Because for me, I don't, I disagree with you. So your your position is that theaters are should have an exclusivity with brand new all all brand new movies, and that other that that VOD should have to wait. Like yes. I'm, yeah. I, here's the thing. I'm not using the words like should. Be, uh, I'm I'm saying it it does devalue what they're offering right i mean uh either especially i mean if 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 i'm a family uh, if i if i have four tickets like i can't make it's hard to justify going to the theater and spending sixty dollars or whatever to go see the movie when i can pay twenty dollars to see it at home so it devalues the the theatrical product right and so that's that that's like that's not an opinion that's like of course it does it's 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 more expensive to do one over the other of course it does no, no, no. Okay, but I'm not saying. I'm, excuse me. What I mean as a consumer, as you, an individual person, do you want the choice, or do you think it's better for for you to have to wait to see it on video? Like, do you think like doesn't matter as a consumer? I, I'm always going to choose theater for me. If we're talking me personally, I always yeah. want to see movies in theaters. So, well, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying what I'm saying is is that you would not ever want to see the day where it, there's both at the, at the same moment. You don't think that's a good thing. You think it's better. For you as a consumer. Yeah, I think there are social reasons why going out to the cinema is also productive and good. I do. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just saying you you like the choice. Chris, I I would like the choice. Yeah, me too. I don't understand why you wouldn't want the choice. Like, I don't understand, like, how this seems like anti-consumer to me. Yeah, that's fine in the pie in the sky world, but the one choice closes the other one down. 
The no, period. it doesn't. You just yeah, say it does. no, it doesn't. It you guys just said does. you would still go to the theater. Thank you. Right. But, Thank but, but you. We are minority. The extreme minority. We are extreme, An extreme minority. minority. So, what saying, so what you're saying? So what you're saying? So what you're saying is that people at home don't have good. That means indie experience. movies can't be released in theaters. So what you're saying? No, no. Every, so, only Marvel movies are in theaters. If correct. this is what happens, what only Marvel movies are touting are is the pathway yeah. to franchise crap only. Indie movies no. are dead if this Excuse happens. Excuse me. Excuse me. That Excuse is not me. true. They no. would be true. dead. Absolutely. I Why? Just, Why? I tell you what, I go to the movies more for independent films than I do. Yeah, that's because they're not releasing films. on VOD first. But my point here is is that what you're saying is, is that if this happens, they're not going to play anything but independent films. So you should actually be happy about this. Like you should what? want nobody You're saying that, that, no sense. that You're saying no, that AMC no. will no longer play you Do you think AMC can thrive only on independent movies? No, we need all of the above. We need all so of the above. This this is my point though. My point is is that what you're saying is, is this is more of a business thing for you. You're thinking more in terms of but what I'm thinking of is in, is consumers. What you you're proving my point by saying this is that if if suddenly you had both options, you're saying most people would choose video on demand. That's what you're saying. Uh, no, I'm saying enough yes. issues that, that the business model so would not if, be sustained on if the you other. Don't, yes, if, yes. You, if you simply take one away, if, in other words, what, what, the, the, the way that business is working is, is you're taking away what consumers want to force them to do something that they don't want. And the only way that that improves is if what they don't want is actually it is actually a better experience. And right now, theaters are not pr- not giving that. All they're doing is this real crappy experience. Yeah, but see, I've, hard that's a hard disagree for, hard. for me to no, say. It is. Hard. It's totally agree. 100% that the theater experience is inferior to watching yeah. it at home is in, insane. In no scenario I have a super expensive television <laughs> and a super expensive surround yes. sound. And I would watch a watch a hundred out of a hundred in a theater every sure. time. Yep. Sure. Because the experience is it's better. so much better. You enjoy it though, right? And I enjoy it. I completely agree. Like I would want to go to an IMAX movie to see the next Marvel. Right, film. But what you said was that the theatrical nope. experience is inferior, and it is not. No, no, no. In what my I'm opinion. what I'm saying is not inferior. People, people, people would choose. Thank you, thank you, April. I'm not saying it's inferior. I'm saying people would Except choose that you just it. Did. It's no, cheaper. It's cheaper. It's okay. cheaper. That's what it boils down to. So if... if and not just cheaper, though. Like, for me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would much rather watch... I would actually prefer to watch Trolls at home with yes. my three-year-old and my one-year-old than hauling what about, them what to about a the theater next Marvel and worrying movie? about them running around. Huh? I mean, what, but that's that's a specific scenario, right? That's a family film, and 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 so it's different than uh, R-rated drama or whatever. I mean, the the, the things are different, right? So yeah. here's this whole conversation is interesting, but it's pointless because. Th- this is not the choice that we're facing right now. I mean, it, it's it's it seems that we are, but th- they're going to come to an agreement. Disney had the highest grossing movie of all time last year. This wasn't 10 years ago. This was w- one year ago. And so th- the theatrical experience is valued by these companies. Otherwise, they would have abandoned theaters long ago. They, they need each other. And so they're going to come to an agreement. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that they are going to come to an agreement. They're going to have a shorter, uh, a shorter release window, and things are going to be just the way they were. It's, it's, it's all going to be good. That's what everybody's saying right now in the world. Things and are going to be just the, the way Japanese they were. Japanese hornets kill all of our oh, yeah. bees, and we all die. Everything's going to be fine. I no one's going to be going to the theater when we don't have any crops. <laughs> <of> the hornets. <laughs> 
Well, 2020. That on that happy note, great uh, argument. Uh, so now we have. I didn't lots think that conversation more. was going to go that long. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I still want to talk about it. I think you guys are crazy, but you know, I think whatever. You're crazy. Uh, all right, that is enough arguing this episode. I'm sure the rest of the episode will have zero arguments at all. We have two things we're going to review. We're going to be reviewing the third season of Westworld, but first, we're going to dive into a film that went straight to HBO, skipped theaters entirely, and that is Bad Education on HBO. Now, Chris is so behind movies skipping the theatrical experience altogether that he didn't even watch Bad Education, so he's going to be mm-hmm. he's going to be skipping out on that review, but he'll join us for Westworld later on. Let's dive into our review of Bad Education. Please join me in welcoming to the stage our district superintendent and my friend, Frank Tassel. In Long Island, the town is only as good as its public schools. The better the school system, the higher the price tag on the homes. These are the best early decision numbers that we've ever seen. I wanted to make a difference. I got us all the way to number four, and I will get us to number one. Get us to first. That's all that matters. Hey, Frank. Yeah? I've been doing some digging. I'm concerned with what I found. And the IMDb synopsis for Bad Education reads the beloved superintendent of New York's Rossland School District and his staff, friends and relatives, become the prime suspects in the unfolding of the single largest public school embezzlement scandal in American history. Bad Education was directed by Corey Finley, and it stars Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, uh, Ray Romano's in here. It's actually a pretty great cast and it is the new hbo original and we're gonna talk about it since we still can't go to the movie theater we're gonna do a streaming movie uh i'm curious to know what you guys thought i have some thoughts so tyler why don't we start with you what did you think of bad education i loved it i this was one i um I didn't know it was coming until we, we, we talked about doing it. It was one that I, for some reason, thought that it was way later in the year. or and I think I even thought it was a theatrical release. Uh, and so I, it just it was a pleasant surprise to come up. I love Allison Janney. I love Hugh Jackman. But, and and it, was, it was interesting. You know, I'm a teacher, and so it felt a lot like there, there was a lot of things going on in the movie in terms of, uh, of what it was trying to say uh, about... Uh, about teachers, we'll talk about this a little bit later. I think there's some things that were sort of shoehorned in that it was trying to say about like mm. appreciating teachers, but at the same time, uh, also you know vilifying these people who uh, who decided to embezzle from from their kids, embezzle tax money. All that to say, I, I really enjoyed Bad Education. I think Hugh Jackman gives one of his best performances ever. Allison Janney supports him really, really well. Uh, it just it was a it was a thoroughly engaging film. I don't know that I looked at my phone one time throughout it. I just I enjoyed everything from the soundtrack to the acting to the um, to the plot, which which even misdirected us or at least misdirected me uh, once or twice, which I really enjoyed. So yeah, I, I thought it was a great, great film. Awesome. So one great review for Bad Education. Chad, what did you think? Bad Education. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I think I'm more positive than than Tyler. I think that the look of the film... Well, let me ask you guys first. Have you seen Corey Finley's uh, first film, Thoroughbreds? Yep. I have not. Yeah. 
Okay. Did you? Well, I'm just I'm curious when you get when when you get to your view, April and um, and Daniel. There's a certain sensibility to the way this film is shot and to the way it looks and to just the overall tone of it that reminded me a little bit, even though they're completely different movies, I guess. But I'm very much interested in Corey Finley's work moving forward because I think I enjoy Thoroughbreds very much, but I I really love this film. I think it's funny. It's got some moments that are really funny, but overall, it's not as portrayed like in the trailer um, and then some things that I've seen online where people are calling it hilarious satire I wouldn't quite go that far it is funny in places but I would not call this a comedy I think it is just a really well acted interesting story behind the scenes of this embezzlement scandal the largest one in American uh, history I think Hugh Jackman is fantastic uh, I wouldn't call it his career best although I could dance with it but I still think Logan was magnificent but Allison Janney has a scene in here where she just reminds everybody that she when she's working at the height of her power she is just unstoppable I loved everything about her character I loved the way that everything was constructed. I love the way that it was shot. And I think we'll talk about it mentioning what Tyler said about some of the issues he felt about some things being shoehorned. I actually really appreciated that scene that I think we're going to talk about. Yeah. Because I I think these characters are, I, I know some people that are like this. I, uh, as and some of them are close to me. I'll put it that way. Um, and these people justify their actions in their head for so long that they actually don't believe that they're doing anything wrong. I mean, they literally don't believe that they're doing anything wrong and they feel like, hey, why shouldn't I get a little piece of the pie too? look at all the good that I'm doing, right? And that's where the term victimless crime comes up because an argument could be made. Well, look, they're they're the number four in in the state or the nation or whatever it was. And so who's who's actually getting hurt here? Right. And, And that's what makes these kinds of stories interesting is that kind of moral ambiguity that they believe is ambiguous right we know what is right and wrong certainly but they don't and i think their characters being played in that way is what makes this nuanced exploration of this whole event really really compelling and not just another kind of simple quote-unquote crime story if you will so it really elevated it for me the performances are just top-notch and um, it's a strong strong recommend for me I'm just sorry that more people that don't have HBO will have a chance to see it right now because I really do think it is it although this is wouldn't be a huge box office film by any stretch but it is um, it's a great movie and I loved it all right two uh, very positive reviews so Daniel are you on the same mind track as the other guys on the show, whatever their names are, Chad and Tyler. <laughs> hey, nice hey. to meet you, April. <laughs> uh, of course I am. Of course I am. This this movie is great. <laughs> I I am a big fan of Bad Education. Chad brought up Thoroughbreds. I I, I enjoyed Thoroughbreds. I liked it and appreciated it. I thought it was a, a solid film, especially as a directorial debut. But there's no question this is a this is a step up and yeah. very. It, exciting step up I, I can't wait to see what Corey Finley continues to do um, he has he does have a unique style it's almost hard to describe uh, describe what's unique about it because it's it's subtle it's not this this huge you know it's not like a Wes Anderson style right. you know that's super obvious but it's just slow and steady but not in a boring way in a very engaging way his films are slow almost theatrical maybe um, it's it's very hard to, to explain, but uh, 
however you explain it, this film is is riveting. Uh, uh, it's it's a small scale story, but but it reeled me in and had me hooked. It's it it is funny. I agree with Chad. It's, this isn't rip roaring comedy, but it is. It's funny. It's more droll and uh, and it, it's it's funny without sacrificing authenticity. And it is so well written. The, the dialogue is razor sharp, and the, the pace is really quick, even within that kind of steady camera work that that, uh, that this film has. Uh, the pace is quick, and it keeps the story moving. And I totally agree. The performances all around are, are great. Um, Alice and Jane yeah. is uh, excellent. Hugh Jackman, I agree. It's not career best, but it's up there. Uh, I would say yeah. I, if I was to rank his performances, I'd say, I'd say Les Mis is number one, even though I'm a minority there, and, uh, and Logan. And then I'd probably put this as third. Sure. Um, Agreed. Despite my, my deep love and appreciation for The Greatest Showman, you know, <laughs> I, I have to... <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh, that film sucks. So this <laughs> this movie is is so good. Hugh Jackman, he's gripping and complex, and the, the film comments on so much. It's greed, success, and how we justify success. And really, the best thing about this movie is just how smart it is. Uh, it, it really makes you sympathize with every character, even if we know we shouldn't. And uh, yeah. yeah, I just I love the way it's written. Love the way it's directed. This is a really really engaging movie all around. It, in a little bit, we could talk about its should have been Oscar potential because I think I, agreed. Yeah. I think it would have been there. Uh, uh, so we can talk about that in a little bit. But overall, yes, I, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Wow. Three just wow. And the villain Reveal. shows yeah. the villain. Yes. yes. Here she is. <laughs> no, I didn't say anything. I'm just three in uh-huh. a row. Wow. Yet. We're going to go for four. Okay. Well, I agree with um, a lot of what you guys said. It was very good acting. <clears throat> it was a very interesting story. It was uh, crafted in a unique way. I think that the while I was watching it, there was something that just felt weird about it. Like, it felt very indie. I was like, why does this feel so indie? Like, because I just couldn't pinpoint it. And uh, my screenwriting husband was like, it's because we're following the antagonist, and he's very reactive, and he has no goal. And I was like, oh, yes, that is exactly what it is, because it's... Not a studio film. I feel like if this is a studio film, we would follow the student and actually have goals and anticipation and all of this stuff. So, with that being said, I did not hate this movie, and I did not dislike (laughs) this movie. There she is. Um, (laughs) But it just... I don't, I don't, I do not share the over the top love that you guys shared. I felt like it was tonally all over the place. It was kind of part thriller, part comedy, part satire, part drama. Like it didn't quite know where its landing was. I mean, the messaging was kind of all over the place as well. Not that that makes it a bad film by any means, because I do think a lot of it was very well done. And there were some grip, very riveting and gripping scenes. And I like I just say like I I really enjoyed the film overall, but it's it's not like I would never watch this film and be like oh this is going to be an Oscar nominee or uh, oh, this wow. is not going to be this is probably not going to be in my top ten of the year. It was just kind of well, yeah. there's only going to be like eleven movies yeah. to choose from, so I wouldn't say that quite yet. <laughs> that's true. It, it's that's, my number one of the fair. year so far. You know, it actually might be my no. I think I like Trolls better. Oh, my gosh. Excuse me? Oh, my gosh. Just kidding. I was just very ambivalent, and it was good-ish. But, guys, here's the thing, though. I only become a villain because I just have a normal opinion where you guys (laughs) worship all these things and say, it's so amazing, and it's great. And I'm just like, it was fine. Mm. So Mm. So anyway, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I think bad education is really good. I I, I really disagree about the, the... 
the tonal shifts. I, 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 I think that's one of the best things about this film is how okay. how carefully it balances tone. Um, I didn't find that it shifted or or couldn't find its tone. I think it was um, so strong in 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 balancing the drama with with the the comedy that it finds within the story and with not thriller elements, but you know as they're trying to. Uh, well, I don't want to give spoilers, but but as they're trying to to. Um, uncover and cover up what what's going on. I, I think it balanced all those things really, really well. So, and what it's because genre of the sharp would writing. you put this movie in? That has nothing to do with what I was saying. I mean, you. No, can, I know, but what genre would you? Oh, uh, I, I, w- I would call it a, a drama overall. Yeah, I, I think it's. But I, I think the beautiful thing about it is that it is hard to to pin it down. I you, you there you could make a case for it being a comedy, a drama, or a thriller. Um, even though because it has elements of all of those things, and I think it balances all. of Elements from all of those genres, like pitch perfectly. Hmm. Agree. Chad, me at Chad Agreed. Tyler, what do you oh say? yeah, I think one of the things that the film does incredibly well is uh, is it puts you in the headspace of each of these these main characters. Um, it, it puts you in Alison Janney's uh, headspace. She's uh, the business director of, of this huge school district, um, and we've we've also got uh, you know the superintendent of the school district. That's that's Hugh Jackman, and and dealing with how how they handle this crisis, you know, this, this crazy devastating uh, crisis and how we decide whether or not it gets covered up or how, or how they handle it. Like it all makes sense. They talk you through the rationale. And and this is not only because this is a true story, but because like I could see real people in these jobs going like, we can't let this out. It's going to destroy our school or, or, or things like that. I, I think that they do that so well. And the, the comedy isn't over the top. Like it's hitting you in the face. The comedy comes in almost in very classic just irony of you know that this stuff is going to come and bite them they're they're trying to do quote unquote the right thing by doing the wrong thing it's it's i think it actually it it leaves this kind of twisted knot of morality that is really it's really cool uh, throughout the whole film, and, and again, I, I, cause I actually would I would not even say it's a comedy, other than there are comedic moments. I wouldn't say it's a thriller. There are thrilling moments. It is a drama. It is it's high drama. It is, you know, how do you handle these these moral and ethical quandaries, and how do you navigate them? And I think that's what's at the heart of this movie. And I think it's I think it's pitch perfect. Yeah, I think it does a good job of. I mean, it's a fairly standard structure as far as the amount of um, comedy, if you will, or lightheartedness. Right. I mean, most of that stuff happens in the first third of the film, if not all of it. Uh, and then the second act is really all about um, exploring what happens with Hugh Jackman's character. And then the third act, there is almost no comedy to be found. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it. I think that's intentional. And I do think that it does that in, in a way that never feels... Like you're pulled different directions. So April, it sounds like your experience was different than mine. But I just felt like, you know, in the first 15, 20 minutes, I was asking myself, certainly in this, there's a certain scene where a character is confronted by a group of individuals and there's a really kind of funny line and a moment that happens there. It's, I think that's actually in the trailer, actually, where somebody makes a line about somebody being a sociopath. Oh, and yeah. so that is really funny. Yeah. And at that point, that was kind of Wes Anderson-like. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. But that's the only joke like that in the entire film. Yeah. And then after that, it pretty quickly, once the thing goes down, 
it pretty quickly lets all of that stuff go. I did, I was able to uh, to just let it take me where it wanted to go, and the performances were so stellar that I was on board with it, because it is fascinating to put yourself in, I think what this film does very well is it does create a sense of empathy for the people that are doing bad things. Yeah. And it asks you to consider what would you do? I had to think about what would I do if I was in a position of leadership where if I could make something go away that really pretty quickly for a small amount of money, relatively speaking, versus destroying an entire district, uh, what would you do? It's a very mm-hmm. interesting question. Yeah. I think I think the movie really dives into those kind of questions and explores what the decisions, how they're made and why they're made and shows you some of the backgrounds of their lives. And so it, I really loved it. I mean, I'm, I am not overpraising this April, like um, <laughs> as I've been accused in a normal year, I, th- I think you would have a cup. I would be for a couple of acting nominations, maybe, but that's probably about it. Yeah, um, I agree. That's where I am. Yeah. So, okay. so uh, bringing it back to the Oscar conversation. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't. Um, so, so the reason I'm even talking about Oscars when we're reviewing an HBO film is that I'm I'm a little surprised that HBO even picked this up. Um, this this premiered at Toronto, and when people saw it, uh, they were this last fall. They were expecting it to be a, a potential Oscar player. You know, Hugh Jackman, maybe Allison Janney, maybe a screenplay, and then HBO picked it up, and of course that that doesn't qualify and um and so uh I'm, except I'm, does it qualify this year it does not oh, that's what i was wondering so no. uh, it does what? not no so um so hb the academies uh the academy did change their um their qualifications for this year only uh in response to the theaters being closed but they have a very a, a very interesting caveat in the official rules it says and i'm paraphrasing i don't have the rules in front of me but it says something long along the lines of they will consider films. They will allow films that that air on VOD before airing on theaters to qualify for Oscars this year only, but only if they were initially planning on a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what gotcha. that means, really. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I mean, I'm sure when the the the, the, the they made this film. They anticipated it being a theatrical release. Does that count? Right. But when HBO bought it, it clearly was not going to be a theatrical release. So what? I, so it's very vague. But presumably, an HBO film is not going to qualify for Oscars. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I, I do think Hugh Jackman would have a shot at, at a nomination. I, I really do. I think he's that strong. Allison Janney, maybe screenplay, maybe nothing. Nothing above the uh, nothing else. Agreed. No, no yeah. picture yeah. director. But uh, I think those things would have a shot. Oh, well, I think it's going to play at the Emmys now. I mean, I, I think Hugh Jackman's got a shot at, uh, you know, a TV movie uh, best actor, perhaps. Well, before we move on, just real quick, we'll just go around and recommend, give our recommendations on whether or not, I guess, it's worth streaming or not right now, if you have HBO. So, Tyler, you went first. So, I mean, I know what you guys are all going to say, but just <laughs> for the heck of it, just yes or no. Absolutely. Okay. Chad? I like what Daniel did last show where he still applied our old scale as if the theaters were open and I want them to be open so badly. So here we go. Using that same scale, is this theater worthy? A hundred percent. Is it worth your money is what I'm trying to say. Yes. So uh, if you have HBO, get it. If you don't, why don't you have HBO? Get it for a month and watch all the things and then cancel whatever. It's worth your money. It's absolutely great. All right, Daniel. 
Yep, I agree. I, I think uh, if theaters were open, this absolutely would be theater worthy. And so especially with theaters not being open, yes, it's absolutely worth your time. And you should definitely, definitely check it out. All right. And I think you should watch it, too. It's I just didn't love it as much as they do, but it is a good film. So, so there you go. Bad Education is streaming on HBO right now. So check it out. And now we're going to dive into our review of Westworld. And I haven't finished it yet, so I won't be there. Peace. I was born into this world, and my first memories of it are pain. For my kind, there was one place we were never allowed to go. One place we were never allowed to see. Your world. Who are you, Dolores? You and I are a lot alike. They put you in a cage and decided what your life would be. They did the same thing to me. But you've been watching me. Not me, but someone. Something has. Who is it that we're going after? All right, everybody. Well, we're going to dive into our thoughts on season three of Westworld on HBO. It just wrapped up, well, last night. We're recording uh, the Monday after. So let's start uh, with Daniel. What did you think of Westworld season three? Oh, man, I was hoping you wouldn't start with me. So I'm a little conflicted here. My feelings on Westworld at this point are are a little weird. Um, Okay. First of all, there's no questioning the, the the production value of this show. It is so well made. It's stunning. Possibly, I don't want to like stand hard on the statement, but probably the best looking TV show out there. I mean, it is it is just in the stunning. conversation for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and so um, I mean the the visual effects, like the vu- the futuristic world that we're in, is is amazing, and it, it, it never ever looks fake the the robots I, everything i mean it just looks amazing the, so, so is the editing the performances the score i think the score is really amazing especially this season um incredible so it's, it's yeah. so incredibly made the strange thing about my relation to this show is that for reasons that are really hard to pin down honestly i just can't get into this show i it's it's not bad Mm. i have very little negative to say that's why it's so strange like i can't i can't point to this thing that isn't working for me it's just i can't find it compelling it's like this show has a shell that i just can't break into um it's it's just really tough for me to say why like i said i have very little negative things to say and i'm not going to put up much of a fight to those of you who love it um I just can't get into it. And I'm not sure if it's the complicated timelines or, or the fact that everyone whispers every line of dialogue in, in the whole season um, or what it is. But it's just tough for me to really be, be engaged and interested. There are definitely interesting ideas on this season that, that we, I really want to talk about, you know, about free will, predestination, all those things, um, very much in line with kind of what we talked about with devs. Um, so there are cool things, um, and I have a, a few specific complaints as well. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a show I appreciate. I just find myself kind of ambivalent towards it, which make, makes watching it a bit of a, a slog, to be honest. So I don't know. So my feelings are weird on this one. I don't, I don't feel super strongly one way or the other about it. So, yeah, there you go. Just a quick probing question on yeah. that. Is that the way you you felt about all seasons of Westworld? Like or do you feel like in a, like you connected 
with this one less or more? Because this uh, one is a little different than the other two. So I was just I think, curious. I think I felt that way more this season. Um, oh, I, okay. I, wow. I do think that I felt that way about the other seasons as well. But I think I think over time, my my ability to connect is or opportunity to connect is kind of the ship is kind of sailing, you know? So, so yeah, that's where I'm at. All right, Chad, how about you? What did you think? I guess, yeah, overall thoughts on Westworld as a whole. And then uh, this, the current season that just ended season three. Yeah. Overall thoughts. Season one, I think is an all time great uh, season of television. I think it was a complete story and that has led me to my very uncomplicated feelings about uh, the current season of, of Westworld, which is, I don't like it. I don't. I wish I did. I really wish I did because there are elements. Mm. I, I enjoyed the second season a lot less than the first, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, and this is clearly the weakest of the three for me for a lot of different reasons. And this will be very specific when we get into spoilers, but just the quick version of why I don't like it uh, and trying to keep it as generic as I can while agreeing with all the things that have been said. It's impeccably shot, sometimes brilliantly acted. All of the things related to the craft of this show are top notch and as good as it gets. But the issue I have with Westworld season three is the scripting and the story. I think it's a victim of its own success. This season more than most is um, the writing is not great. There is a lot of dialogue where they just spout out exposition. I mean, you've got lines like, and this, these are all spoiler free, so it's no, but, you know, you've got things like, I need to find the info on Area Blank now more than ever. Wait, the what? Clarify thing, that just a little bit. What do you I mean? I can't without going into spoilers. I can't. I'll have to revisit it in spoilers. Okay. Um, I said it was spoiler free, and then I started to read it, and I was like, yeah, it's not really spoiler free. So, got so it. I'll okay. revisit that. Got it. To me, there's no sense of mystery or message anymore. There is a sense of making things convoluted and confusing in the same way that they feel like the first two seasons were so that you have this puzzle that you have to unravel. But the joy in unraveling the puzzle of season one is that there was a really clear underlying purpose and reason of discovery that we got to experience along the way. Now, it really reads to me as if it's just we're confusing for the sake of being confusing and sometimes they shoot and write things in a way that are intentionally convoluted just because that's part of what they do, but it doesn't really have any any payoff. Hmm. Along those same lines, we're already in this world where we are preconditioned after the first two seasons to question everything anyway. Who's real? What is real? Is what we're seeing a, a simulation? Are we in different timelines? Like all of those questions are questions that you bring to the table right from the very first minute of the first episode. Um, and so you're always second guessing thing. And that can be leveraged to make really compelling television. But for me, season three was not that. It was just... A lot of action, a lot of action, which was great, well shot, exciting. But there are also little things that they, I think they hope to be payoffs, but it requires like an intimate knowledge of things that happened three years ago to pay off a little tiny moment. And it's just, for me, it just didn't work. So overall, mm. um, there's, there's, a, there's a tremendous sense of coincidence also that happens this season where yeah. a lot of things just kind of magically happen without the grounding that we got in season one which season one had a lot of mystery, a lot of mystery, a lot of things that were kind of mind bending. But this season is, I, I, I didn't like it as much as I want to. I still, it's impossible not to watch it and appreciate it. Uh, and I, and I wanted to know what happened next. You develop a, a relationship with these characters, but overall 
this was the low point of the series for me, and I, I'm excited to talk about it in spoilers. So I had a clarifying question for Daniel, and I have one for you too. When you said you don't like it, is that in reference to the other two seasons, and you still think it's a great, a good show, or do you I genuinely, or do you think season three is just not good in relation to anything? Period. It's just not a good season of television it is a good season of television okay that's what i wanted to uh, clarify you're, you're just saying in comparison with the other seasons it's less than but it's still yeah, a good but I show think it's a yes but it's a lot less than for me like i teetered okay. on the edge of just outright not liking it but it's wow, okay yeah but it's it's still obviously very well made and it gives you answers and then ask ask more questions okay got it tyler how about you thoughts on westworld as a whole and then what did you think of season three my thoughts on Westworld as a whole, I think, are, are going to be very similar to Chad. I think season one is a masterpiece of television. I think it is a nearly perfect season of television. Um, I think it's it's just flawless. Um, it, it's it's so so good. It, it builds mystery. It builds world. Um, it has timeline reveals like crazy. You know, I, I don't know how non spoiler we need to be if you're talking about season three, but I guess we're we're in non spoilers. But um, yeah, like there's there's you know, timeline upon timeline and, and twists and, and reveals and, and motives and what's the maze, what's at the center of the maze, what's the man in black doing? I mean, just perfect in terms of, of what it was trying to do. By contrast, season two is not, I, I don't think it was good. I think it's, I think that was a bad season of television with, with mm. a few exceptions and some good moments, but I think um, it was what they, tr- what they, they tried to do what worked in season one, but, but doing it badly. I mean, it's the sequel effect. We're going to do it. We're going to do, you know, more weird timeline things, more weird mysteries, more incoherent thoughts and motivations. And, and it didn't work again with, with exceptions of moments. That being said, I really liked season three. I think, uh, I think that season three, now there are some, there are some problems that I would compare to the final season of game of Thrones in that there's, it's kind of similar to, to season one and two. There's there's uh, reactions. There's okay. Everybody hated the timeline stuff from season two because it was too confusing. So we're having almost no weird timeline stuff in this. We're you know we're gonna explore. Um, they're gonna explore very different issues uh, than seasons one and two. While, while still you know dancing around the you know who's a host, who's human, what does it mean to be human. But now we're going to into um, more frankly cosmic issues of of what is it not only what does it mean to be human but what does it mean to have free will or do we have free will um Mm -hmm. i think that it is doing devs better than it than devs did uh because i i enjoyed devs but i the moment i was hard disagree i want to talk about that oh i know i knew you guys were gonna i wasn't on that episode but uh and i and i did enjoy devs please don't take that to say i didn't enjoy devs i just think this did it better it was more clear about what it was intending to do um i think and the acting uh of the main characters was infinitely better than in devs and yeah, so again, there's a lot we can't really talk about with in spoilers. I think it's beautifully shot. Um, they they did a lot of kind of like they did with um, with that movie Her, uh, which I which I love. I know Daniel loves uh, Her, where they they filmed a lot of it. Like Her was I think a lot filmed in Hong Kong, uh, and and then they kind of augmented it with CG. This one they did with Singapore, which is a, a it's my favorite city in the entire world. I, I love Singapore. I've I've been there you know dozens and dozens of times, um, and it. And it's kind of a futuristic city by itself um, already without augmenting things. And so that was kind of cool to see. And, and I, I've been to every place that they had filmed. That was kind of neat. But just it's, it's an amazing uh, feat of, uh, of filmmaking, I think, just the way that they did that. Now, that being said, I have – and we'll get into this in spoilers. I think, I think that uh, episode eight, the, the final episode, was a 
I don't know if it was a crash and burn, but it was pretty rough. Um, they didn't stick the landing in, and they stick some of the landing, but not all of it. Uh, and I think that's where I would compare it to season eight of Game of Thrones, where they or season yeah season eight, where they're trying to cram too much in too few episodes because I think that they thought this was the end, uh, and then they they got a quick um, renewal for season four, and so they had to make it happen. They had to they had to quick add something at the end, I think. But um, hmm. yeah, we'll talk about that more in spoilers. So I I really really liked it. Um, a question I was going to ask all of you before we started this discussion, but I was, I'll ask now. How did you watch this? Um, and we'll go back around in the same order. Like, did you watch this week to week? Did you watch this all in one big chunk? I know it just ended yesterday, but maybe you did that. Uh, do you think that affected how you saw it, Daniel? How did, how did you watch this? Did you watch it all at once or did you watch it week to week? Uh, I watched it uh, over the past four days, two episodes. Okay. Holy cow. Okay, Chad? I watch it the same way that I always watch this show in particular, and that is I binge the entire thing over wow. about three or four days. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and Tyler? Series, I to watch shows mean, right? like this. The entire series, yes. All, all this. I don't do that for every show, but shows like Westworld that are really complicated and you know have a lot of callbacks, I watched it uh, in a short window. Tyler, how about you? Same, except I, I started before episode seven aired, so I think it must have been last Saturday that I started. Wow. So you, you watched everything kind of in a chunk and then you just fin- so uh, let me let me just clarify that because I, I wanted to see kind of that, that perspective because I, one of the things that I love about these kinds of shows and it started for me when Lost was on the air. The thing that I almost love more than the show itself is the mystery around the show. It's the, the 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 things that are kind of in the pauses and in the in-betweens, the things that we get to theorize from week to week, which I feel like you totally miss out on when you're not watching it week to week. You're If you watch it all at once, the, the, the Netflix binge model, which obviously you can do, there's, and, and, you know, you don't, you don't want to dive into what other people are thinking online or all that. That's fine. But for me, that's a part of the appeal of these kinds of shows that have an ongoing mystery or some sort of a unknown element in them that are meant for us to kind of unpack on a weekly basis. And so for me, I, I've been listening to podcasts and been on the kind of subreddits and all that stuff every single week after these episodes and just diving in to this world. And that's why I love this show. It is, I think, one of the most finely crafted worlds on television right now. Uh, And not only that, it is so well made. It is kind of always, there's something new and exciting. And the, the, the seasons one and two, I enjoyed a lot. I mean, I loved seasons one and two quite a bit. And I, as soon as I saw the trailer for season three, it doesn't even, it didn't even look like Westworld. This season doesn't even go to Westworld. I mean, maybe for about, uh, I think three or four scenes there in the park. Um, but for the most part, it doesn't even take place in Westworld. This is a complete departure, a complete uh, turn. And I appreciated that. Um, I appreciate that they didn't just kind of decide to to redrudge everything that they had done in the past seasons and done something completely fresh and new, um, but still explore the opportunities that they've set out um, and kind of execute them in an unexpected way. That being said, I think season three is definitely my least favorite of the three seasons, but I still think it was really great. Um, I had an amazing time with the ride, with the experience, with the um, theorizing, all of that stuff. And for me, it 
it's really i mean i've been listening to the soundtrack of westworld this entire season they would release tracks like uh popular what is it like covers of well-known yeah. songs they've done uh, the, whole, the whole time through yeah and and they're just uh, just really an, an incredible just collection of of things that are just you know just it, it really is it, it's unlike anything um, out there right now. It's it's really quite impressive. I, I had a great time with season three, and I can't wait to dive into spoilers. It's Wicked Games. That's the name of the track. Wicked Games on the Westworld soundtrack. You can find it on Apple Music or Spotify. But that track alone is worth the price of admission for me. So we're going to just go ahead and jump into spoilers. I think we've already discussed whether or not we think. Well, I guess why not? Well, Daniel, do you think you should watch? If you've already watched seasons one and two, should you watch season three? Oh, man, I'm really... Uh, it's a tough. I, I mean, it's so well made. Uh, li- like I said, I have very little negative to say about it. So I think um, if definitely if you enjoyed the first two seasons, you should. Um, I I think there's it's worth a watch, but it's a pretty weak recommendation for sure. Chad. Yeah, I mean, the I think the question would be if you saw if you were going to watch episode or season three, is it good enough to say it's worth starting the entire series? If you've never seen it, where it actually goes. And I think the first season is so good that it's worth it. Even if you, even if you quit (laughs) after the first season, which I'm not saying you should do. So yeah, it's worth it. It's, I agree with everything that's been said about the craft. It's as good as anything on television today. Tyler. Oh yeah. Same. Absolutely. And especially frankly, like me, if you were underwhelmed by season two, this, this did it for me. This, this actually, really redeemed it for me it's one of my favorite shows so i would say yeah no absolutely dive in and watch the show it's 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 delightful um all right so let's go ahead and jump into some spoilers for season three of westworld the first rule of fight club is you do not talk about fight club well you look nervous is it the scars you want to know how i got them but there's so many places it wouldn't have occurred to a hawk to hide However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. All right, Chad, you seem to want to talk about some some things that you were you had to censor yourself earlier. <laughs> so I did. What, 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 what did you want to say there? What, what was the points you were trying to make? So I just <laughs> simply do not buy Dolores's actions at the end. They don't make any sense. Totally they don't, agree. They don't make any sense from anything that we have seen of her character in any of the three seasons, specifically in seasons two and seasons three. She... Season one is her story. She she awakens, finds herself. They get to the end of the maze. It's perfect. That's the end. It should have been all that ever came of this show, but it didn't, so that's fine. But from that point moving forward, they've made it very clear and been very consistent with her character that she wanted to destroy humanity in all kinds, sometimes literally, like we saw in season two where she was just a murder machine and massacred people endlessly. And then all the way down to this season where she's clearly manipulating people throughout, also constantly killing people. But the thing is, 
it doesn't mean that that character can't have an arc where then she turns at the end and sees that there maybe is a way we can come together. It's just we see no evidence of that on the screen. She literally gets to the end of the finale and has this three-minute monologue and then a conversation with Maeve where she says she chooses to see the beauty and now we're to believe that she wants to sacrifice everything to save humanity. There is ugliness that for a second and disarray. I choose of course, to see I, the beauty. But that makes Dude, no sense. That's on. not what her character would say. It's, it's not true. That is, if you go back and watch seasons one and two, that oh, is season one. Okay, seasons one and seasons two. Um, that 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 is. There are lines that literally that that. The speech she's giving is from season two. She she clearly states that she wants that to happen, but she knew that was too much power, so she gave it to someone else. She knew that she would she would she would give in to those those desires of, of herself. And so instead of focusing on the ugly, instead of focusing on the terrible, she chose to give that that ability, give that choice, literally that choice, to someone else, to those two people, to both um, the, the 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 new character that we follow around. Um, We're in spoilers. You can er- say who it is. C- Caleb, both to Caleb and also both uh, directly to um sorry his his name bernard thank you she gave those choices to those two rather than her own because she knew that if she had the choice she would burn it all down don't buy it because she still is making the choice to give that to those characters it's just inconsistent doesn't make any sense and i'm going to say a couple more things and i'll be done also bernard was completely wasted in the season completely wasted they told us all season how important he was to this story and never made anything out of it at all until the end to say hey don't forget maybe he'll be important in season four that was annoying also the so much happens in this world like the creation of rehoboam could have been the entirety of season three and that story would have been much more interesting than this corporate battle that we have going back and forth it just feels like there was just so hmm. much stuff that was skipped over I, that ultimately turns into this turn in, in the penultimate episode about caleb that you could see coming a mile away it's the terminator version of caleb where he's going to lead the rebellion i just I, I just didn't i just didn't buy it i just thought it was I just didn't like it. So this is me. I know a lot of people Got love it. it. So. so anything else that you guys want to discuss in spoilers here? Daniel, anything or Tyler that you guys wanted to, to, to chat about while we are, are free to discuss? <laughs> I actually see a lot of Chad's points. I wasn't as bothered by most of them except for the end. I think, I think that the final, the final episode both meandered um, and then leapt, leapt forward to a couple of different things. Um, while like the scene – where Bernard goes home to Arnold's widow, uh, played by Gina, is it Gina Torres? Torres, um, yep. Who's who's fantastic, but that was so out of nowhere. It, it was a great. It was. It should have been a great scene because we are remembering all of these things. But I didn't, and maybe it was just it's too long. Maybe I should have rewatched seasons one and two or whatever. Um, but but it was it, it was, I I almost fast forwarded because I was just like I don't. I feel like I know I'm supposed to feel some stuff right here, but I don't. And I think that was just, that's a writing problem because um, it, it felt like it was out of no. It felt like, oh, remember, Bernard is really important. I think that it leapt. Uh, so where I agree with – weirdly, I agree with both Chris and Chad. I agree that, that um, where Dolores ended up is the trajectory that they, that they were setting up. Um, like I didn't feel like she was full-on evil Dolores this entire time, evil Terminator Dolores. Um, 
like she was last season. I feel like she had made a turn, but but it's again it's like Game of Thrones season eight where I we needed two more episodes to show us that full turn, um, and to get us there to bridge that gap from where we saw her in season in episode seven getting into um, episode eight. One of the things April wanted to talk about was genre. Um, she just hadn't finished the season, but uh, to to talk about it here. But so I'll bring it up for her you know, that the drug genre that, that he takes and, or, uh, some of these other things, what do you, what stands out to you guys as, as kind of just cool choices? Yeah. They just didn't go far enough with the genre idea. Um, yeah. cool idea. Was, great idea. Well, yeah. Great idea. The, they just didn't do much with it. Yeah. It, it, it felt like something, Hey, let's try this neat thing, but, but not actually weave it organically into the plot or, mm-hmm. or ha- have it really, impact things other than do a couple cool effects with changing the color grade and changing the music up a little bit and that was kind of it so i wish they had taken the cool idea and done more with it agreed yeah they they, yeah they changed the lights a little bit and 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 that was about it and and like especially how built up it was mark the the inexplicable appearance of marshawn lynch uh who i loved by the way but it was kind of very strange for him uh go seahawks he's uh uh, beast mode yeah we, we i loved i loved i can't i was expecting frankly for at the end in the riot for him to say i'm going into beast mode or whatever and i was like oh, thank you thank you guys for not doing that um, yeah but i mean he still did kind of he knock did go down into a barrier beast mode. and tackle some cops <laughs> he, he threw he threw a can of uh of, of, of tear gas tear gas he back one handed and then yes. single-handed yes catch. yeah it was pretty it was cool. amazing yeah it's a, it, he was again inexplicable like in his appearance but i loved that he was there along with oh and i, I always forget this actress's name and i love her lena waith uh lena waith yes um uh, their pairing was so cool um like i wanted them to explore the the, the grand theft auto rico app a, a little bit more like that they could have done so much more i think two more episodes we could have seen we could have breathed with the world building just a little bit because i thought that was so cool stands out to you again i i we think we could we could jump on a lot of the plotting here um, the world the world building the production design the cinematography the the special effects i loved the mm-hmm. callback to the robocop yeah kind of riot control robot yes. all of that stuff's awesome yeah. it's all that's all great which is why it's frustrating for me that i just wish the I just wish the story was worked on me as well as it does on others but all of that stuff is just fantastic yeah. all the technology the screens the way things interact the way that they that they involve technology into you know biometric stuff is just fantastic mm-hmm. it's really cool speaking of genre um I, I agree that, the, that they didn't go far enough with the drug itself, but I believe it's in that same episode. Most of it is focused on Sirach's past, his uh, his flashbacks. I think that was some of the most I loved that section of, of this season. Um, his like understanding of his character, where he came from, his brother's explanation, the taking over uh, of, of the the company, all that kind of stuff was uh, I found to be quite quite cool and then the other actor that i would definitely highlight that i really enjoyed i think his name i'm looking it up right now tommy flanning it flan flanagan um he played connell's uh who was like he was also one of the tommy flanagan yeah he's great yeah yeah he, he played uh, one of and stuff and yes uh, his Manaki, i think his presence alone is spectacular he's just a really great character actor um he played one of dolores's copies or whatever and i just i thought that was i thought i thought him he was really great so i I had a good time i just think i I agree with you to the extent chris that i think all of that stuff related to the creation of the different iterations of this 
UI is the story. That's why it blows me away. If they, because it's it's difficult to well, come for me to come right out of the uprising of the hosts to then immediately have one season and now all of humanity is in an uprising. It seems like season three would have been perfect to get to the point that we then get this predictive thing that talks about free will and all this and that pushes people over the edge to then have season four it just felt so super compressed with so much information that had to be conveyed hmm. uh in season three that i was always more interested in all the things around the creation of that of uh rehoboam i also would like to highlight tandy newton um yes. as mave in this season i think she as was always. freaking amazing in this episode in this, in this season i i really enjoy her because she's kind of one tracking it but where we meet her in this season which is the kind of the french uh world war ii world which is actually in a simulation but her kind of almost video game like having all these powers and then getting them all taken away from her and then slowly building back up her power throughout the season um i found to be really cool and just kind of a great like moment for her so i really i really liked her entire track as well this season and thought thought that was a lot of fun so oh, uh, yeah, tandy newton and then also tessa thompson i mean guys this this cast is nuts um, what an incredible no group of um and so uh, tessa thompson has some really cool stuff uh, to do in this in this season aaron paul is okay i don't know that he, i feel I like he could have been he's, i do too yeah i think he's i think he's great but i just don't think he was like he it had to be Aaron Paul, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I also didn't. That was one of my quibbles too. By the end, I, they kept. It's kind of like actually when you were describing this, I thought you were describing um, Caleb, but you you went to Bernard with it. They kept talking about how important he was and how yes. he was the only one. He's you know the John Connor of it all. He's the only one who can lead the rebellion. He's the only one that can do this. And I was like, why? Like he was he was an interesting character, but they built him up as though again he was the chosen one but in fact yeah. I, I think he was just a chosen one I think that Dolores just chose him you know can, can um, I be honest I yeah. thought I missed something and I was yeah. too embarrassed to bring it up <laughs> yeah. uh, no 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 what happened I, I honestly thought that I missed who he was yeah. he's just random he's right no, he's just he's, a dude. He's one of the aberrations. No. He's one of the the wrinkles in the flies in the ointment. I think they call it in right. the uh, the Rehoboam. Um, so, right. Yeah, I got that plan, much, but, but that's it. He's not. Yeah. It's one of the no, magical moments one. where he discovers her under the bridge, and you're like, "This makes no sense. How did she pick him?" No. Right. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. no. 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 She, didn't. she just he just walked up and found her, and yeah. I thought he was just a random dude. And I think it's a coincidence. I, I think that's no. what it is. No. No, it's not a coincidence because so the military used Park Five, right? They explained this oh, yeah, uh, to yeah, do yeah. their training. Training, um, and so end, he, yeah. so the whole point of the parks was, and this is the reason why Bernard is so powerful, um, because the key is so so really necessary, and why Rehoboam needed them is because what it was not only doing, it was not just really good at replicating humanity, but it was actually studying humans, right, for their choices and for what they were doing, and for you know, so they're basically like cataloging the human brain, right? And not only the brain, but like really like almost being able to duplicate it. Like they knew, they knew, knew you. And so they did that to all of these soldiers. And of course, Aaron Paul, Caleb's character, the the character was one of those people. And so when, when Dolores in the parks 
suddenly took over, she was able to see all that data and knew that Caleb was one of the very best candidates for this plan that she had in place. But it was that's, not that's random. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the park where she almost died and he randomly found her under the bridge. Because that she, because later in the thing, she kept saying, I chose you. Well, did you? Because you almost died yes. and he found you under a bridge. No. Again, no, magical coincidence. No, it, it, not a coincidence. Yes. Yes. She no. was literally almost dead. She, it wasn't, that wasn't fake. Now, is, it might have been. Excuse me. See, it might have been Excuse a me. coincidence. Or not coincidence, no. but a solid no, plan. No, you know? no, no, no. Because, listen, <laughs> Tessa Thompson, the, the guy, Connell's. Okay, are both searching for these kinds of people, right? And they also know that that app is is being used to manipulate people into doing certain things. Caleb was chosen to be there. To to this this was all planned by Dolores. This is not a coincidence. Caleb was chosen to be there, except Caleb was long gone in that yep. moment. You need to go back and rewatch that first episode when he finds her under the bridge. There is no plan in that scenario. I don't buy that for a second. I think I think it was a Solomon plan or a Rehoboam. I, I, those two get too, too interchangeable yeah. by the end. I think it was. I don't, I actually think if we're going into the free will and determinism of it all, it, it's. I think that Dolores was trying to plan it, but it was actually the it was the the meta plan beyond hers that that arranged the stuff that that put everybody in these positions because they knew what she was going to do, they knew what everybody else was going to do to put them together. I, I don't think that Dol- I think Dolores thinks she planned it, but I think it was it was actually Solomon. Sure. Okay. Sure. I mean, you, 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 you can say whatever you want. I'll go back and look at it again. And even if it was, but I, I don't believe so. I'm, 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 I'm anyway, we, we can, we can talk about that all day, but the bottom line is, is, is that that is, that's in the last episode or the last several episodes, that is what we're presented as the answer is that it's not that he was just some like random dude. It was oh, yeah, that no. we do I know. It's clear that he wasn't. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I mean, the, the like well like chad said there's like the magical coincidence of the actual event of them coming together that's what's you know what, what's oh sure there. but but then also i think i think that they overblew like they did with bernard this entire episode this entire season they overblew he's the the john connor of everything and and we just didn't see it you know i didn't see right. why we kept saying it but we didn't they didn't show us um, I don't disagree with that. His character, I do really feel like, is the weakest. It is yeah. the most like non like. Okay, could have yeah. been whatever. It's almost a blank, a blank, yeah. blank slate. I loved, and we've we've mentioned him a couple times. I loved Vincent Castle, uh, Cassell, yes. Castle, uh, Ciroc. Cassell. I think he yeah. is excellent as a as as sort of a villain. Like you know, he's he's one of those great villains where he's, he truly thinks he's trying to change the world for a better, you know, for better. He's trying to, you know, put everybody on a path and organize everything. I loved, I loved what we discovered about him. I love his motivations. I love, you know, the, the, the fact that it's, it's not as black and white as, as all that. I think, um, and he's just this, I think he's just eminently charismatic, likable guy, you know, that is also just wonderfully evil. Yeah, I, I think that they what they do with that, but I agree with also what Chad said. I think that that the development of of Rehoboam, um, or Solomon or whatever should have that should have been this season and season four then should have been the bringing it of you know bringing it down. Um, I think that would have been would have been very cool to see and, and actually develop because we, we come right into it way too way too quickly and and the showrunners do say that this was their plan all along. Uh, we should have seen more earlier um, of of this then, um, but 
My favorite part of the season finale was Luke Hemsworth's character Stubbs, uh, just like at the very end, just being thrown around. Yes, <laughs> like like, <laughs> yeah. like Bernard had no time uh, for Stubbs, and it's like, here, you go into the bathtub. I'm going to give you some ice, but I got something to do real quick first, and then he's there for the rest of you know however many hundreds of years. So yes. that that was really funny. Yeah, even the reveal of of when Bernard lifts his head back up and he's all dusty, you know, yes. uh, mirrored. And I wonder if this is gonna you know pay off. It mirrored the end of season two, where two. Yep. Uh, you know, um, so we're gonna get our you know this timeline eventually. You know, whether that's where we start next season again, we thought that after season two, uh, or if it it's ultimately pointing to some far flung future. I just want these seasons to just mean something again. I just felt like you know at the end of season three. <laughs> What was it all about? I mean, what what did we learn? I, what I th- what was? I, there's just a lot of action, a lot of story. What are we doing? I think it's saying some big stuff about uh, again about free will. About you but know, is it is it actually saying stuff about free will, or is it just doing the surface level of do you have free will or your actions even your own? And then we fight. I mean, anyway, that's fine. That's why when you said this outdevd devs, I was like, no, I don't yeah. think so because oh, I yeah. think devs I, I actually did. gets a lot. A lot deeper into into the, that idea than Westworld. I think did, Devs, for sure. De- Devs in the end didn't know what it was actually trying to say about it, but it's. Uh, but at but, least it was trying to say something. I feel like Westworld was just kind of saying, "Oh, we no. want we want free will." Okay, cool. No, like, no, I, mean, I think, I think yeah, it's, that's exactly right. It's, it's you, saying, you want free will? Yeah, oh, it, I do. It's, it's talking about about you know about you know humanity's relationship with with an all powerful being. It's I, I think it's saying you know a, a being that that has planned things you know for us that has set things in motion. And do we do we believe in that? And 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 they do. We we discover that humanity has. They have put their you know whether all entirely understanding the length of it or not. They had at the beginning of this season. They have put themselves into the um, into the paths. What they call it? Something. Um, I'm mixing it up with devs, where he calls it the tram lines. But but they they mix it up. Oh, the loop. They they just go back to the to the Westworld thing. They they put every everybody into their loop. Rehoboam has or Solomon has, and um and, and everybody is is living out their their lives. And, and we find out that that's not that's why Caleb can't get his the jobs that he wants, and that's why he you know he's stuck in in just menial construction works because uh, because that's all he's allowed to have by Solomon, which is trying to basically sideline him so that Solomon doesn't take him down. Or, yeah. The, the fascinating thing to me is that Rehoboam and Solomon are both are both actually saving humanity, right? Like, no, they're, but they're delaying they're delaying the end of it. That's what we what we eventually find out is it's right. that humanity's decline it, is inevitable, and yes. and they're just delaying it as much as possible. And I think that's so, what gets really intriguing is is when you do give humanity. You know, the, free reign. Exactly. They're they're going to burn it all down. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. For and, sure. And, and so that that I think is fascinating. And I think that is that is the interesting thing is is that people were trying to do the the you know he was trying, trying to, to do good by by damming up the 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 river right stopping what was going to be the inevitable and then along comes Dolores who is trying to destroy the world and seemingly that's a bad thing. But and because if if you give people free will, then the the world quote unquote will be destroyed. 
So like that that is fascinating to me. Is is that yeah. like okay? So do you fall on the side of well, we should we? It's better to keep civilization going and and not have millions of people die, or is it better to have free will and see the entire world burn? Interesting. I think yeah. that's a fascinating I, thing that I that, that they did explore you. very well in this season and and did a great job at. So anyway, I do, and I would just restate again that I think that's the surface level of all of those questions because that's where you start. That's where that premise always starts. It's been explored in lots of different media, which is if you leave humanity up to its own devices it will tear itself down so they you need to create a god that they believe in so that they have some something to aspire to and and keep some sort of sense of order i don't think it explores that very much i think it just states it as the premise i totally disagree with you on that that, that, that that's okay. just yeah that's just totally, totally disagree fine. i just don't yeah. see how they explore it other than just lip service and then a big fight at the end but that's fine that's fine lip service they're they're all they're all that's the whole focus of the entire season chad that's what every episode is about yes is it about that how how do they get beyond that surface level because they all they do is run around and say the same things over and over episode to episode that's all they do they all and they all say the same thing it's do we want free will or do we want to let humanity burn so there's this amazing moment in decoit in decoherence um, when we're with William, right? And he is seeing all his entire life uh, as, as, oh, yeah. as different versions of himself in a room. The best and like scene this of the, thi- whole, so the whole thing by far. What do you, that, does, is that not saying anything to you? Do you? Are they not exploring these? What do you, I'm, I'm just confused as to what, what do you mean by that? The, the, this whole entire show is exploring choice. The choice has consequence. The consequence Throughout his has entire life. Yeah, I, I don't understand what you mean by that. What like, did, it, okay, then what ultimately did that? What came out of that conversation, which was he was bad from the beginning, because that's all it said. And then he wake, woke up from that, and then said, "Okay, now I'm going to go kill all the hosts." So he's going to save the world. Explora- he, exploration happened in that conversation. I don't, so I don't get anything. William, of that. And William, that William has been, about- William has been the villain this entire or, or, or set up as the villain, right? He he is not and a good guy. And we learned that he was the villain. No, but at the end of that, he says, I'm, I am I suddenly realized my role. I'm the good guy. I'm supposed to go and actually kill all of these. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to save the world. I, that's my role. I'm, actually, I'm supposed to be the good guy. I'm the, he literally is in white. He went from being and the man so in black. What does that have to do? Well, yeah. What does that have to do with, with free will and humanity delaying its own downfall? Nothing. No, no. Uh, William's oh. character had nothing to do with the main plot of this entire season. He's another wasted character. Side plot. <sighs> but you think that's the it's best true, part dude. of the entire. It's totally true. That was the best scene of the entire series for me. Absolutely. Because it called back to all the good things that we learned about him in season one and it was an interesting exploration of how he became who he was which also the you know people forget the big reveal of season one was that the young william was also the old william that was how will people forget that That, that's the whole listen so i'm just saying that they forget that that was the big reveal that was the big mystery so what he's doing here in season three was just a call back to more of that kind of stuff it didn't really add anything to season three at all I, I, I completely, completely and totally disagree because what we've got is, is that William suddenly has gone, his, his character arc, we're done with now. He dies at the end of this episode. He's killed by the man in black, right? Um, and so that that's what I think is interesting to me. Is, is or that, by Dolores, but yes. No, not by Dolores. Well, yeah, okay. Thompson I, made Charlotte that killed him. Charlotte well, that, 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 that is the most, okay, great. Thank you for reminding me. So, 
that is that that's what's fascinating is nature versus nurture they explore that very well oh with, yeah for sure with 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 tessa thompson's with charlotte's character because it they're copies right of dolores and yet they 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 become they different people right they make different choices that that is a fantastic thing that they that they do explore with the dolores character and the charlotte character listen it's fine chris oh, you're not going to convince me this writing is good what? it's not it is. is not. It's, it's wonderful. Not it is. I'm glad that you think so. It's not. But you just but said they didn't explore any of these things, and they obviously did in, in they character moments. A lot of things on surface level. Yes, I agree. They did. I agree. Season one, <sighs> if you want a real exploration, is what you need to watch and forget these other two exist. And, and season one, truly, truly, one of the best seasons of television ever made. It's so no good. doubt. All right. Anything else that we want to say uh, before no, we wrap let's this end up? This madness. All right. Sounds good. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. All right. And with that, we're going to wrap things up on this massive episode. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's episode of Screeners Podcast. We'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the Screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.